Warning, what you're about to hear is intended to make you laugh a lot, while also hearing some cool people talk about the cool shit they're doing. If you're easily offended or just can't take a joke, then you should turn this off right now. Otherwise, turn this shit up and hang on. Welcome to the ghetto. Yo, 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 welcome to the Get Up, the Get Up Show.com. Check us out. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the Get Up Show. You can also follow on Facebook at the Get Up Show Podcast. Uh, and then you can always just check out www.thegetupshow.com. Make sure to, you know, follow, like, comment, share, all that stuff. Get the name out there, spread the word. Uh, you can also listen on anywhere basically you listen to a podcast itunes spotify google play music stitcher radio we everywhere uh today's episode i'm joined by terry r scott he is a professional drone racer uh someone local um and i would say let's get right into the conversation unfortunately we had a little bit of technical difficulties recording this episode uh so we're going to pick it up with a slight recap and then the ensuing conversation that was horrible what happened it didn't i hit record it didn't record like the whole first part of that conversation the, the whole thing, <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> are we starting over uh well we'll pick up where we left off i'll just we could start over uh, it doesn't matter i'll put a. I can redo the intro okay um brief synopsis we were talking <laughs> about so uh the the wonders of computer technology apparently when I clicked record, it didn't record. Didn't um, actually, record. <laughs> didn't actually nice. record. So we got in about 20 minutes so far of conversation. But what I'm, I'm talking to Terry, Beast Mode, he's a pro drone racer. Well, would you classify yourself as pro um, at this point? Yeah, yes yeah. and no, I guess. Okay. Technically, I'm professional because I was paid to okay. fly. We'll get into that part. Right. Uh, but Terry, we were talking about first... Um, how you got into it and basically that started off with uh, a little niece and nephew yeah getting a drone and then not being able to fly it so giving up on it and then you just kind of picking up as a hobby playing around and then that led you to the i want to go faster yeah uh set up found the the detroit multi-user group detroit drone user group yep which is a chapter of MultiGP, which is one of the, uh, what would you call it, like a national or is it worldwide at this point? Um, it's definitely worldwide. And um, Detroit Drone is a tier one, so it's a really big group. Really? So yeah. so what determines a tier? Because I never got into that. I noticed, I know that they said like tier one. Tier one is it. like the size of your group, how many okay. individuals are registered uh, in Detroit Drone. And so compared to everyone else, we're like up there in numbers. Okay. Got a quite, quite a lot of people. Um, not everyone shows up to the races, but right, we right. do have a lot, a lot of people. guys registered. Yeah, gotcha. How do those work? So I, I know I've done like the the I think it was like a regional race at the the Maker Fair or the uh, at uh, the what is it um, Henry Ford Museum? Yeah, the Maker Fair. Yeah, the Maker Fair there. Uh, is that like does Multi GP put out like the tracks what they're supposed to look like? Yeah. So um, the regional qualifiers. Yeah. The tracks same for everyone. And they literally have to go out there with a tape measure and everything and make sure that track is, like, dead on. So it has to be that way so you can compare yourself to other people. Right. in this, you know, Be on the same. You're qualifying at the same event. Basically. Exactly, yeah. So 
you you have to follow the rules when it comes to that. Gotcha. That was actually really cool. Um, going to one of the maker fairs just because of the, the bleacher set up and yeah. like, people could see it more than just like it being this thing that you can go find online and stuff. Right. No, it's actually really cool having people watching too. Yeah, it was. It makes things a lot more exciting. So back to where we were before. <laughs> before I found technical difficulties. It's all good. Uh, and, and sorry for that. No worries, um, man. But we were talking about uh, you know boosting it up, kind of the different things that are that are going on, and how you started getting faster and faster, and it became more of a just muscle memory at this point. Yeah. Uh, and again, like I said, like some super impressive stuff. Terry recently posted a video to his. I think it was your Facebook, uh, which. Instagram or Instagram which yeah. was literally like if you didn't see the seconds counting down on the side you would think someone sped it up that's how fast you fly what speed do you think you're going at now and you're using what still four cells at this point no I'm using oh. six cell what the yeah I, pretty what? much everyone is yeah. really see wow like at the point that I stopped flying so over a year ago yeah was I mean I think we, we did why well, no, we stopped doing the the total soccer indoor. Yeah, um, and then it, it kept going down to the winter. Everyone's flying the little ones, and I don't mm-hmm. have a little the one. The micro so. ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it too like four cell. Yeah, was, four cell was like the big thing. That's gone now. It's gone now. Pretty Holy much. Shit. I mean, a couple guys. Don't get me wrong. A couple guys do kind of mess with it, but for the most part, it's all success because uh, you just get the flight time that you need. You don't have to. You were burning out batteries. Yeah, oh, like yeah. that was crazy. I remember watching you at some of the the, uh, the Detroit drone races. Like literally, batteries dead. Like yeah. you crossed the finish line for that last lap, and it just died. Yeah, I've had times <laughs> where I've literally rolled through the finish line because batteries <laughs> toast. But yeah, so six cell. It's a little bit heavier, but you get more power, more voltage, so you can actually make two minutes last pretty easily now with a really? success battery. Now, do you have to uh, do you have to change like the ESCs and all that stuff? To, yeah, so and the motors and everything. Yep, you gotta have motors and ESCs that are c- compatible with electronic success. speed controllers. Yep, yeah, speed <laughs> controllers. Yeah, they gotta be able to handle success because it's a lot more voltage. It's instead of sixteen point eight, it's twenty two point something, twenty two point two, I think it is. Wow. So it's much higher. Yeah, and you could fry. Quite a bit of stuff. I mean, you could run some 4S motors with it, probably, but it most likely it, it, wouldn't last long. No. Yeah, and you need a lower KV motor. And for people listening, so cells refers to the um, the the number of cells literally in the battery. Yeah. Uh, so like 3S is three cells, or 4S is four cells, and, and so Terry's flying up to six cells. When I first got into it, two cells was like the big, and then it moved up to three cells, and after that i was like man these batteries are so big why would you fly anything crazier yeah are you still doing the bottom mount so like when i first got into it a lot of people put the batteries on top and then people you know about a year ago started moving them to the bottom yeah is that still where it's at yeah so actually i was the same i was top for a while actually last summer i was top and then i just recently switched to bottom again so i was bottom then top Top. and then back to bottom and what what's the the benefits there do you feel so it's once again a preference thing which is most of racing it's really what's good for you it's not necessarily a standard um but i feel like the top kind of feels a little bit in more in control a little bit more to me it's like you're pushing the battery around instead of pulling right uh the battery at the bottom kind of feels like it wants to swing out when you hit right, you get more like a pendulum effect exactly yeah yeah now so, does that help you turn or is that bad so you can actually use that to your advantage depending on your flight characteristics so if you can kind of prepare for that pendulum to happen 
you can use that to kind of slingshot you around right. the corner. So, and that was my reason for not wanting to do bottom because of the pendulum effect. Right. And then Jay Chapman kind of convinced me to go back to the bottom. He's like, man, trust me, it's better, it's better. So I was like, all right, screw it. I put it back on the bottom, and then, you know, after a couple of days, it felt really good. I felt was like, really right. good. He's right. Yeah. So, and back to the speed, how fast do you say? I would, I would have guessed with the four cell or three, yeah three cell four cell that it was probably pushing close to like what 80 maybe um, what do you think you're at now with with a six cell battery i mean really the speed the top end doesn't change that much it's you can change the top end on a 3s 4s doesn't matter all depending on your prop size really right. and your motor combo so i would say the speeds are probably close to the same between like 80 and 100 yeah um the forest was the same thing still got the same kind of speed what prop Just, size are you using now i'm using a 50 50 hq okay. prop all right. Is that like a, what, a five inch? Yeah. Five okay. inch prop, uh, pretty legitimate pitch. A 50 50 is a pretty solid prop. Gotcha. Yeah. It's not the most efficient prop, but with the right setup, you can make it last. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, that's like a whole nother part of it is like the prop length, the pitch of the prop. Yeah. Sometimes the material, like I know there's ones that what I started off with, man, those things like you just looked at them and they, and they broke. broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I moved into some of the more solid ones, mm -hmm. and then there was the way more flexible ones. Uh, yeah, the PC polycarbonate. Yeah, so like that's what I've got now, but I've still stuck with uh, just the two blade. I know people went to threes. Yeah. Uh, what do you tend to fly? Uh, I fly the tri blade, the three blade, uh, and the polycarbonate. Uh, pretty much everyone flies PC nowadays. I don't. Yeah. I don't think anyone flies anything other just because they've got it to where. You could literally bend it at a, like a 90 degree and, and bend it back, back, and it's fine. And it's fine, yeah. which is crazy because before it was like, man, that was the, the pain in the ass part. You were constantly changing out blades when you oh, crashed. Yeah. And not anymore. And with these new flight controllers, uh, they can just handle so much prop uh, distortion. And you, you could literally have a broken prop, like half your prop gone, and you wouldn't even notice it. Really? Flight. Yeah, these these flight controllers are... They're are getting just that, amazing that, nowadays. Oh yeah! Wow! Yeah, yeah I mean, before if it was even bent, it was just wobbling all yeah. over the place. The only way you would know if you have like a messed up prop is by hearing it, because right, your video because yeah, it makes a different noise. Yeah, oh, and yeah. by by seeing it like in your video, you won't even notice the difference. It's crazy. crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Now, when you're doing your, do you still do you ever do like flying with a GoPro? on it to record the hd video it's been a or while you okay yeah I, it's do you probably, have any videos up anywhere um yeah i'm sure there's some on um youtube or instagram try youtube what would they be uh under uh beast to, mode or yeah or just try terry r scott oh i forgot the y Oop, there we go terry r a no, no a r s c o t t c o t t there you go um a year ago, two years ago. Ooh, what's this? That's a uh, that's not going to be the one you're looking for, though. I'm looking for my YouTube page. Or I guess you're going to have to try Beast Mode FPV. Beast Mode FPV. All right. It's been so long since I've been on my... <laughs> uh, no, none of those. That's not it. No, I don't know. I don't even know who that is. <laughs> Literally, no idea. Um, Yeah, maybe you're going to have to go to my... um. Instagram. All right. This is it. It's Terry, isn't it? Yeah, Terry R. Scott. Yeah. There you go. Right there. Yeah. So there, scroll some down of these a little are crazy. Bit. Yeah. Um, I should have some HD ones in there. You've got some crazy stories too. You were telling. Oh, maybe me. not. No, those are all old. 
Yeah, we're going to have to find it on my YouTube. Huh. So, th just this one right here. This is one of the garage ones. Like I yeah. said, I mean, it's so nuts. I mean, it's so fast. Yeah. So, um, remember, I was telling you, after a while, it's just all reaction. And after it, enough practice, you tend to know the track, like, the back of your hand. You, you memorize the track. So, you kind of know where you're going without even really having to look too much. So, do you, when you first fly the track, so when you show up at a race... Do you fly slow the first time just to kind of get an idea of it? Or um, are, like, are you half speed? Like, yeah, how do you do that? I would say like half or just over half speed. It's kind of hard to fly slow when you're used to going fast. You know, I feel like it's actually harder to fly slow than the, to ramp it up. It does. So for me, it feels kind of that way, too. It is. Like, when I go slower, I find myself, like, overcorrecting and stuff. Right. It's when I'm, like, and I go to the, I got a pretty big park in the middle here. Mm -hmm. And when I go there, like, I can, like, full force i'll lose control here and there right but for the most part i can fly pretty accurate there it's when i find myself trying to be confined in a racetrack that i struggle like yeah. i'll hit the first few gates i'll make the first turn and then after that shit just goes sideways because i'm going too fast yeah and i i just the i guess the like hairpin turning i've tried to work on uh-huh but i don't fly that much <laughs> it's really it's just a matter of practice if you can fly these things at all period like if you can keep them in the air all those batteries you can get good at this it's just a matter of putting in the time yeah and it's crazy too because like when you see someone fly like a, a hobby one literally it's like up down just a little bit of pitch when these drones are flying in a race they are almost like perpendicular to the i mean yeah. it's, it's crazy they're just almost flying. straight up and down yeah, yeah straight up and down it's nuts yeah so some of these cameras nowadays they just have a huge field of view and you can do that you can have the drone fly on the ground and still see the ground the ground too yeah and it's, it's yeah, really nice upgrade everything yeah run Jeez. cam came out some really well yeah nice that was i was looking at getting a run cam mm -hmm. uh and I know that, like, they were supposed to have a good field of view. I didn't know it was that good. Because yeah. that's one of the issues, like, with the camera that I have now. To go faster, you basically have to pitch it up so right. that it's looking level when you're going. But then that makes, like, landing and stuff kind of hard. I mean, I just – I never was good at doing, like, the little tornado thing yeah. and setting it down. So <laughs> Yeah, it that's kinda... how I used to land as well. But, yeah, so I don't even run that high of a tilt. Even, like, the fastest pilot in the world, uh, Alex Vanover and – he, his angle is like 50 or 45 or 50 degrees, really? something like that. Yeah, you just don't need it nowadays. You just don't. That's crazy. Yeah. Because the field of view is so much bigger. Yeah. I mean, yeah. some guys still prefer it. Don't get me wrong. Right. Like, it, it's it's all about preference once again, but you just don't have to do that. How's the image quality? Is it getting better? Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. And, and what about the, the transmission and reception? So, like, I know some of the issues that I've had flying were, like, uh, it, you know, you fly by some trees and stuff, and it starts cutting out your picture. Yeah, your feed gets real bad. Yeah, so, I mean, that's a matter of what kind of antenna you're using and where you're mounting it. If you're smart about where you put your equipment on your drone, you, your video can be pretty good. Where do, you, where do you put your antenna? So, on my uh, quad, I have a pod on top of my quad instead of a top plate. So okay. It's like a 3D printed piece. Right. And it's just at the top uh, and the back. So, like, when I'm flying upright... Like when my quad is in forward motion, the antenna is always facing up. Is that this thing right yeah. here? Yeah. No, in the back. So you click the picture. See the right, right there. Yep. Okay. So when my quad's like straight up and down like this, getting ready to go, the antenna is always facing up. You know, just out. Does that help for? Do you feel like that helps with aerodynamics and stuff too? And you're not. I mean, I'm sure you're not does. concerned about the added weight because I mean your stuff's probably really light. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not going to really. And what size is that from prop to prop? Uh. That's a good question, actually. I, 
Because oh, no, like I, when I first started, it was like so many different. It was like classes almost yeah, uh, based no, I, on like between prop to prop on a diagonal, right? Like a two twenty, and then and, it turned into like battery size or prop size. So now it's all open class. It's all open, so you could literally go out there and fly a tiny whip in the races if you wanted. Really? To. Yeah. Some guys have actually. Some guys are flying a, a Mobila, which is a two S tiny whip. The thing is super fast. Yeah, I, God, I can't remember his name right now. I remember like Ruben. There was some other guy that would. He was really fast, and a lot of times at the races, you guys would be kind of like neck and neck, and yeah. he would fly like a little, a little tiny one. Oh, Ricky, Ricky, yes, yeah. Ricky. He still flies the little one. He'd fly the little one, and he's blowing by people oh, yeah. with the bigger ones. The guy literally hurts feelings with that little drone. <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> that little thing is he. He just knows how to control it, man. He's. We tell him all the time, like, man, you would be an absolute monster if you flew your five-inch drone. Right. To do that well with your three-inch drone is just mind blowing. Is it okay? I mean, because. It feels like you have a little more room for error because it's smaller, so you don't have to worry about clipping stuff as. Yeah, yes and no. But, but you, if you get hit by another, yeah, drone, another one, you're in trouble. Geez, and there's been some pretty funny in-air collisions. Yeah, and plus you really have to manage battery power with those things because they just destroy they batteries. Really? Yeah, because the the motors are so high kV. It's like a four thousand kV motor, and the thing is just full <laughs> throttle the whole time. The whole time, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean it was it was crazy seeing how how fast he could maneuver. Yeah, that he thing just too. loves those little ones. I don't know why, but and he's one of the people I see in fly line of sight. Oh yeah, he like so nuts. he was uh, he was a heli pilot before really? this. Really? Yeah. So the guy is just a he's a mind blower when you watch him fly. Uh, and I'm pretty good line of sight, but he's on a whole nother level. Oh yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I seen him in the in the dome one time flying. Yeah, and he was I I tried to record it and it's like too hard to even record. But, I mean, he would fly it, like, right at his face and stop and then fly yeah. away. And I'm just so like, it's, it's literally scary to stand close by and watch him yeah, fly. Yeah, yeah. But, Definitely. like, after knowing Ricky for a while, you know, he's got it under control. Yeah. It's crazy to see that stuff. Do you I ever know. get into, like, the stunt flying? Um, there was a video I wanted to show you. It was really cool. But have, yeah. you, have you ever gotten to, into the stunt stuff? What do you mean? Like, so uh, freestyling? Like, like, yeah, like Jeff Orta used to do. Uh, I know he did a lot. Uh, yes. Well, actually, I used to fly with Orta in the beginning when I first started. Him and I would actually fly a lot. Him, Drew, and I, Ladrib. Uh, but yeah, so we did uh, like a bunch of bando stuff. Um, yeah, you know, it used to be fun in the beginning, but I feel like as time's gone on, I don't know, it just doesn't excite me like uh, racing does. Really? Yeah, just, I don't know. I like the racing, man. That's what excites, excites me the most about flying. I, I, I can see both points. I like, uh, I always wanted to get into like wingsuit flying. Sure. And, uh, this is like the safer alternative. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. If if this if I uh, if I crash this thing, I'm trying to find this this really sweet video. I love the the way the guy put it together and like the theme of it. Um, it was uh, it was it was just a, a way for me to get that kind of like flying feeling without okay. the danger of dying. Sure. But then the competitive part of me, like I said, like I thought about getting one of those slower little camera ones, and then it turned into. Holy crap! People race these things, and I seen like a, a race through the woods, and they had LEDs on them. Yeah, and everything. I think that was one of the first ones. That I, I was seen like, too. oh man, you know, I think the video was like Star Wars pod racing or something. Like it was nuts. Yeah, no, I remember seeing that too, and I was like, whoa! And I then didn't there's know this, that was a thing. And there's this other one. This one really is oh, where'd it go? This is that crap. There's this one video. Of this get low one. Or stay low. This one always got me. Like this was when I try to tell people what the racing is. This is what I show them. Yeah. Just because it's. And this is from 2015. Huh? Yeah, and it's pretty fast. 
and but it's a, a good like hey this is what it looks like from yeah. this perspective right. if it's gonna do anything or do I have to hit play yeah I think there you go but it was just like hey check this out this is what they do what it looks like yeah and it's it's just intensely fast but there's this this really cool video this guy did where it's basically he's sitting in his room and it's winter and he puts his drone out on the on the roof and then he you know goes out goes down it. and he goes flies but then it's like around the world oh nice. so it's like he's flying from his bedroom around the world through this that's awesome and you hear terry call it a quad because it's a quadcopter yeah so do you do you tend to, to shy away from the drone, drone? word yeah, kind of i guess around other pilots enthusiast pilots call it, yeah. yeah we call it quads I guess I never really thought of it that much. Well, because I, I noticed the distinction, right? Yeah. When, like, we would be out on the race field, uh, and no one ever calls them a drone. But I don't then, think like, they're technically even drones. I think drone is just applied to anything that can be... <laughs> anything that's got multiple rotors that's flying around. Sure. You know, just the, the general public classifies them that way, right? But, yeah, I mean, I was, like, watching this. I'm like, damn, man, they're flying fast. These are This is one of the first videos that, like, got me into it, too. They're actually I, flying pretty good for being 2015. It's pretty impressive. Well, it's come such a long way. I mean, oh, just yeah. to hear, like, in one year that I've not been really a part of it, to hear all the differences that you're telling me about is yep. nuts. Low KV and higher batteries. Yeah, it's, it's real nuts. It's crazy. Uh, so, the other thing, it, uh, well, you said the, the championships were just yep. in February. How'd yep. that go for you? Oh, could have been better. Um, so they took the top 20, the top 20 qualified to be in the semifinals. Okay. Uh, and I actually qualified 22nd out of 160. Um, so then after, if you're not in the top 20, that's called the next 57, which is the second group. So between 20 and 57, they compete against each other. And so I was in that second group. Now, okay. Um, I probably could have qualified in the top 20, but I was being a little more conservative and trying to be smarter about my flying just to, not to crash out and right, just kind of right. secure my spot, but it kind of bit me in the butt. I should have pushed a little harder. A little harder? Yeah. And I thought it was good because I was in like 12th place for like a full day. I was like, all right, I think I should be all right. And I had one run to go. I was like, you know, I probably should be okay. And I literally got nosed out. Like one of the last couple guys went up and nosed me out. I was like, wow, should have pushed it. So then in the second bracket, the next 57, both my heats, unfortunately, on like the second or third lap, I got mid-aired and just got taken out. The first heat on the that, first that lap. Sucks. Yeah. On the first lap, I just got hit some, by somebody right off the bat. And I was able to fly for a little bit. And then one of the motors just gave out because the prop was like more than halfway gone, like almost all the way gone. There was only two of the three propellers on right. there. And after flying it enough, the motors just smoke. They just get yeah. too hot and they burn up. So that happened after another lap, and then the, the run after that in the loser's bracket, it was like my second or third lap, same thing, hit a guy, and I just went straight to the ground, killed Jeez. the motor. Yeah. Now, how is it at one of those races, because there's a lot more pilots, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Is it still like five to six pilots per heat? Um, they're actually able to do eight up at eight? once. Eight, really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, that creates more traffic, too, especially oh, yeah. at that takeoff. Definitely. And like after flying the track for a day or two, a couple days, everyone tends to find the same lines. So even though the tracks and the gates are somewhat big, everyone's squeezing in the same spot. They all want that it's line. So, it's so funny because you're, everyone's, they find the same line and they're flying that line. And yeah. like when I'm out there, the lines be damned. I'm just trying to make it. <laughs> well, you got to remember this is champs. So to make right. it there, you have to be yeah. pretty decent. Good, you know? right. Yeah. So it's, it's nice, but 
it's stressful at the same time. Okay, and that's still open class, all different sizes yep. flying around. Yeah, you can fly anything you want. But everyone knows, like, the most efficient, fastest setup is a 5-inch. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's, it's so crazy. Now, how, is, how have you seen that progress? Has that, I mean, has it been improved over the years that you've been a part of MultiGP and seeing? Yeah, so um, the pilots is what's really impressing me the most. So we've always talked and kind of joked over the years that it's going to be all kids just whooping our butts. Right. And sure enough, that's exactly what's, what's happening. happening. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, the top 10 guys were all, like, under 16. Jeez. Yeah. It's just, or actually, no, a couple, one guy was 18, I think, Vanover. Um, but these guys, it's just kids that are obsessed with drone flying. And, and, they, and they've got the reflexes. Yeah. They, and they have no fear. They have reflexes. And <laughs> their parents love it because they're actually outdoors playing something. Right. Yeah. Instead of being stuck inside. But it's a real world video game. Yeah. It's exactly what it is. <laughs> and these kids are just mind blowing how fast and. Oh, I bet. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just something else, man. All the old, like. And veteran pilots, we all just laugh because we knew this was coming, coming you know? Right. Yeah. Is it cool to see it, like, from when, at the point that you got into it, to see it kind of get the recognition and the, the at least, like, the, the promotion that it has? I mean, seeing DRL be on ESPN, uh, you know, there's there's been so many different things about it. I know that they, at one point, you had to register, and then that, I believe that went back, right? They, they backtracked to having to register them? Yeah, so now you have to do that again. Oh, you do have they to just passed that, actually. Oh, I literally got an email, like, Yesterday or now, Friday. before the first time, wasn't it like weight based? If it was over a certain weight, then you had to register it. Yeah, I think uh, two hundred fifty grams or something like that. I can't remember or no, five hundred grams with the battery. It's something in there. Gotcha. But yeah, if you were under that, you don't have to register. But now any any um, um, unmanned aircraft has to have an FAA, FAA registration number. Really? On the drone on the itself. Yeah, yeah, that way if you lose it or something. Or something happens right. and you're not there, at least they can backtrack who flew it and so on and so right. forth. I mean, it's not a terrible idea. It kind of sucks for the guys that are just in the park messing around, yeah. racing or whatever. Right. Not in the woods, you know, whatever. But it is what it is. got to follow the rules. Right. And it's not like they make you jump through hoops or anything. You just... Go online and register. It costs like five bucks for the year or something, and they well, send you your number. It was like a big deal about it at first. Like with the first time they were going to pass it, it was like this big deal. Like oh yeah, man. everyone and, was kind of freaking out because they were forcing you to do something. Right. You know that's really what it was. People didn't want to do what they didn't. Now the helicopter, like helicopters and RC planes, do they have to do the same thing? Uh, I think RC planes, yes. Helicopters, I don't know. I'm sure. I think so. Any unmanned aircraft, right. yeah. So I'm pretty sure it's the same for everything. Everybody. Gotcha. Yeah. So. Uh, you've done some pretty cool tournaments too. I know you've traveled around a little bit doing the tournaments. Yeah. Uh, where's like the, the coolest place that you raced at? Um, so actually DRL sent us to, um, uh, they sent us to Miami. Um, they sent us to Boston. Uh, there was one more. Um, I think it was Georgia, Atlanta. I can't remember exactly, but yeah, flying for DRL, they sent, sent us around quite a bit. And, uh, Actually, flying with Joe DMR, they sent uh, one of the cooler places was uh, in Louisiana. There was an underground race called really? the um, MDX. Okay, Mega Drone X. That was one of the cooler places because literally, like, you're underground flying your drone. This place was like a million square uh, square feet. I think it was. It was massive. It was just nuts. So the whole DRL experience. How did that? How that all come together? Um, so how did it happen? Yeah, like um, how- actually MDX that race. Um, that was one of the first like real big races, I guess you can say. And if you look at any of the MDX pictures or videos, you'll see like all these big name pilots that weren't big name yet. 
like Paul Nerkula, Jet Anub, all these like really good guys that hadn't been noticed yet, all noticed from this race, even um, Wild Willie, bunch of these guys. So if you did well there, there was a good chance you were going on to something pretty special. And pretty much all of us that were in like the top 15 all made DRL or something crazy okay. like that. So yeah, after MDX, I won the six inch uh, open class. Okay. I got um, uh, approached by Ryan Gurry, which is like the producer the head of DRL okay. and asked me if I wanted to fly for them. And, uh, you know, there was like some paperwork and legal right. stuff or whatever. But after enough of that, uh, we came to an agreement and I flew a season for them. Right. And, and how did that go? Like, how was that season? I know at one point, I mean, I raced with you while you were in that season because you were bringing, you had the... The racer three? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so um, it was tough, man. That drone is just so heavy. It's big. It's a thousand grams. I was surprised at how big it was when you pulled that thing out. I was because the one that you normally race is so much smaller yeah. than that. My normal quad is two hundred and fifty grams. The Racer Three is a thousand grams. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah, it's out, it's out of this world, really. To to watch like really good pilots fly that thing that well is just mind blowing. If you've ever flown one, at least. But uh, yeah, so I struggled. I mean, I was able to fly the drone well. Don't get me wrong. But I wasn't able to fly it at an elite pace like Please. these guys. You know, these guys were most of those guys were just nuts with these things. Well, what, what's the reason they went with such a big one? I know they're like trying to put all the lights in there and, and that kind of stuff. But what's the reason for that big of a drone? Or it's that really big of a quad? it's called a TV drone. You know, it's the bigger it is, the more lights you put can put on it, the right. more spectacular the well, crashes and they, are. It's probably the easier to see it too. Yeah, right? exactly. The, it's easier for the cameras to see it. It's easier for spectators to see it. And like I was saying, the crashes are just spectacular because there's this massive oh, drone. Yeah. Going and in like a million like, pieces. It's basically covered in plastic too. Yeah. So like all that's gonna break off. Yeah. So and a part of it is the challenge. And that was the whole thing with DRL. Like they want to see like out of all you really badass pilots, who can handle this big and slow right. and awkward quad? You know, who can fly this thing well? And could you do any like tuning to it at all? Any any modifications? So they had like um, preset tunes, and you could pick one of the four. I think it was. Gotcha. Okay. And actually, because my tune. Actually, sorry, it wasn't tunes, it was rates. So you, right, yeah. you don't actually tune the quad. You just change how fast it moves or whatever. Right. Like and the my, response time, basically, yeah, right? Yeah. And my rates are like, they used to be really high. So I actually had my own settings because they were so much further away really? than everyone else's. Yeah. I was running at like 2,000, um, I think right around 2,000, somewhere in that neighborhood. I was way up there. Most guys are like around 800, and I was at like literally 1,800. Wow. Just way up there. Yeah. So they had to create a new one kind of for you to, yeah. to, because you're so used to racing with such high rates? Yeah. So I had my own settings, literally. The last one was mine. No one even came close <laughs> to using it. But I just I like quick movements without right. having to actually make a lot of movement. Right. You know, I like the sticks to kind of stay close to the center. So I don't so know. So it's very minute movements, yeah. but it's giving you the movement you're looking for? Right. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. And now, how is that? So, like, again, going back to like some of the issues that I've seen when we've had our multi GP races, just being like, uh, you know, people's video signals stomping on others and interference and the weak signals. Now, those DRL tracks were huge. Yeah. I mean, through stadiums, like tons of concrete and stuff. So, how did that? How did that work? How was the quality? Because, I mean, like, obviously, they're they've got cameras set up by these checkpoint yeah. places to see the action but mm -hmm. like for as a pilot how is that quality compared to like what you see at a, a, a multi-gp event so 
uh, a multi GP event, the, the video is going to be way better because there's you're outside in the field. Right. Um, so there's really no comparison. And the first, I would say the first two uh, episodes of DRL, they were still kind of figuring out the VTX issue and uh, the the uh, the video was like it was pretty bad but somewhat flyable. You know what I'm saying? They were using FR632s all like kind of strung together, which is a um, it's an okay uh, it's an okay receiver, but it wasn't that great. They switched to uh, a um, what is it? Clearview. Have you heard okay, of Clearview? Yeah, I've heard of Clearview. Yeah. yeah. Once they got Clearview going, the video changed dramatically. It was like okay, not able to see, barely able to fly. To like video is amazing. Really? Yeah. And it took like the first two episodes, literally the first uh, two races, I could barely fly at all because you could like a few of the stations had good video and a few had terrible video. Right. So you, if you were stuck in the station with bad video, you were just kind of screwed. Gotcha. And unfortunately, with DRL, like it's a show before a race. Right. You know, so they can't sit there and um, deal with every pilot's needs. They have to kind of move on. Like the show must go on kind of thing. They try to help you out, but if they can't, they can't, you know? And then, I mean, if you crash, then it was just a spectacular crash. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And even if it's like, if you crash because the drone malfunction or bad video, you know, they'll try to fix it. But if they can't, they literally just got to go on. Really? Yeah. So that part kind of sucked. I wasn't really ready for that. That kind of threw me for a loop. I, did, I I thought maybe uh, it was more about the race, but I was I was wrong. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, and I think that's like any any big TV, any kind of a thing that's getting that kind of money sunk into it. I mean, the, the fact that you were racing and like, I know I seen one was in like a football stadium, you know, like yeah. doing that all that. That was actually that. the first one. That's, uh, I mean, obviously the production value that goes into it, it's going to be more about the the viewer experience than the actual pilot experience. Right. I would think. Uh, so... As time went on, though, so which season did you race in? Um, the 2017 okay. season, yeah. All right, and then how, how many how many races was that? Um, I went to four of them. So if you did well, you got to go to more. Obviously, gotcha. you went to semifinals and so on and right. so forth. Uh, but, yeah, I just didn't do very well. So they do what, like four qualifiers and then it? Uh, so it's all, all points. You get okay. points for the season, each race. Um, they just accumulate, and you have to have a certain amount of points to gotcha. make it onto the semis. And I just, I didn't make it. Gotcha. It was tough, man. So, and and you think the the toughest part was just being dealing with that that size and the- yeah. So um, another thing was that you know we're obviously in Michigan, right. and I think they gave me the drone in February, something like that. So I was stuck in the winter trying to get used to this big old drone. Right. It's so, not ideal for you. Right. So actually, I was forced to practice in the parking structures where I used to pra- right. practice. And um, I mean, it's decent practice, but drone racing is all 3D. Yeah. And the parking structure is literally all 2D. Yeah. So kind of limited me to what I could really do when I came to practice. Right. So that, I mean, I can't really have too many excuses, though, because, I mean, I was given time to get used to this thing and you know i was able to fly it well it's not that like you know i sucked at flying it's just compared to my competitors man it was just uh, these guys were just on another level gotcha yeah were you able i mean once the the weather broke were you able to like what was your regiment i mean because at this point now right like you have some kind of signed contract where you're was it you got paid for each race or was it you just had a season that you got paid for how'd yeah. that work yeah so they paid you for the whole season uh, they didn't pay you all up front. Right. After each race, you would receive money in your account or whatever. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much how it went. After you went to the race, you got money. 
without getting the figures was it pretty good um it wasn't bad i mean it wasn't money that you could live off of uh that's what they kind of claimed at first like well because you see like the 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 play the video game and get a chance at a six-figure contract yeah like that's the money you can live off of contract yeah so that that's a (laughs) little different story then but um I think they're actually paying better now because it's been a couple seasons since right. then. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely not, uh, you know, the greatest money. It was okay, but for flying drones, I mean, you're getting paid to go fly right, drones. To go fly a drone, right? And they would pay for everything. They'd pay for your travel. They'd pay for your stay and all your food, whatever. All so right. that was kind of nice. That, that, and you got to go to some cool places. Yeah, right? so yeah, like it's quite an Boston. experience. Yeah, well, yeah, we were at the Dolphins uh, football stadium. Okay. So that was pretty cool, just being there. I mean, everywhere they sent us. Um, Boston was at uh, like a uh, paper factory. Man, really? that place was crazy. Yeah, it was like an old paper factory. It was just, it was nuts. All these places were crazy. Just to see the amount of work and effort that went into making these tracks for drone racing, it's kind of mind blowing. And they and they do all the neon lights and yeah. stuff around all the gates and everything. Right, it's pretty pretty badass, man. I mean, it, it, the presentation's pretty good for TV now. Do you do you see that continuing? Do you see that the DRL having longevity? Do you see like multi GP becoming the bigger thing because DRL is so small mm-hmm. compared to like multi GP. Do you do you ever see like multi GP getting that kind of TV deal or well, being out there like that? So actually, multi GP and DRL are already kind of working together now. Really? Yeah. So actually, at uh, the championship race, first place guaranteed you a contract with DRL. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So they're all they're they're already working together. Wow. So so I mean, I think they all have the same end result. They want to see this hobby grow into something bigger and anybody that's involved wants that i feel right. like so you know they didn't always see eye to eye drl and multi-gp it's just recently they started to kind of work together but unfortunately for the first place guy you have to be 18 to have the drl contract oh, and he's only and, 16 and like you said yeah you said a yeah. lot of the top guys are under 16 yeah so, so that kind of sucked for the first place guy but <laughs> evan turner he's an amazing pilot and i guarantee he'll be on drl one day wow that's couple crazy years. Mm-hmm. That's real crazy. I mean, just to see something that, like, especially, like I said, like, for you starting only three and a half years ago or so, like, from a hobby drone from a niece or nephew yeah, that they didn't even end up wanting and then right. you just played around with it to get to where you're at now where you're traveling. Um, you've made money in other competitions, right? I know I've Ricky's gone and won some money at some competitions. Like, how yeah. often does that happen? Yeah, so, um, I mean, it's not as – it used to be more often than now, I feel like uh, – Nowadays, Are you flying as much as now? Oh, yeah. I still fly a lot. But it's just uh, I'm starting to realize everyone's starting to notice, like, these big events aren't paying out like the like the um, people expected it to. So it used to be these huge first-place finishes, uh, prizes, and stuff like that. But people are starting to realize that it, there's, there's no um, – uh, there's no uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> Um, there's no return on their investment okay. on these little events. And right. people are unfortunately starting to notice that. So the money for these events just isn't there like it used to be. So that's why we're kind of hoping that DRL and MultiGP are going to work you know, together. Yeah, and kind of build the sport because it's just there used to be every couple months there was these big events and $10,000 and $15,000 for first place and so on and so forth. But they're just not there anymore. We're, we're – were you seeing the at those events? Were you seeing the crowds, or was it mostly pilots? Mostly I think that's, pilots. That's, and I think that's part of it, right? Like, yeah, it, to put on that big of an event, you have to be able to have like the pilots show up, but then you have to count on like the crowds to drive the extra, 
you know, if there's an emission or food and whatever vendors like that kind of thing to try to help it yeah. sustain itself. Yeah, so that's where we're struggling when it comes to the hobby. So we're kind of leaning on DRL and uh, just hoping that it, you know, it turns into something awesome. It's slowly getting there, but oh, I hope so too. I mean, it's it's still a blast to watch, and yeah. I, I do plan on getting out there. Like I've, I was talking to my girlfriend, I was like, I gotta fly this yeah. year. Like I can't just, believe you haven't flown in a year. Yeah, it's dude. I believe me. I played around with a little drone, but it's just been so much. I bought that boat, uh, so I was trying to get that out there. I yeah. went bear hunting in Canada. <laughs> I, I got a bear in the freezer right there. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. In that freezer. Yeah, in that freezer. It's a bear. Wow, uh, a black bear. <laughs> uh, I was like. Uh, two, 200, yeah, I think it was 200 pound black bear. Wow. Yeah, up in Canada. That was crazy. Uh, yeah. You know, doing stuff with, with the kids and everything. Like, so I always got so many other things going on. Like I said, the times that I would set aside to go fly, then it would be shitty weather. Yeah. Like, oh, right, I'm right. not going to go fly in this, in this nonsense. Uh, that's cool. So mostly little kids are the ones that are starting to, to rise to the top. You think that's going to continue to be the trend? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I think I think the old guys are just going to start getting weeded out. Unfortunately, uh, <laughs> it's just man, these kids are if they're not outside flying, they're playing the simulator. Which right. nowadays these sims are like as real as they get. So, mate, I'm trying to remember the one that I had. Uh, it's not. I, I downloaded the DRL one, but it didn't work. Velocity drone. No, I, can, I might even have it on this computer. Uh, it's on the other computer. Yeah, I thought I might have put it on this one. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but it, it was, you know, it's another one flying around. And that was the crazier part. Like, I could fly on that pretty good. Yeah. Like, I could do the courses real good, but then I'd get in mine, and then I'd start <laughs> yeah, clipping so, stuff. And so you have to get the sim to, you kind of kind of have to tweak it to get it to fly how, what you're used to flying and how you're used to flying. Plus your computer, you got to get your frame rates and everything right. right. Everything's just got to be right. I actually just recently started flying the sim too. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I noticed the first couple of days like it just didn't feel right. Yeah. And like sometimes more more it's a little too floaty, it. and then you got to right. tweak. <clears throat> you got to tweak things a little bit to get it to feel right. Because if you get used to something that's way different than your real drone, then well, you're not going to be able to fly. Exactly. You don't benefit it. I seen it I seen a post. Uh, you were uh, helping out. It looked like like is it like a, almost kind of like a Detroit multi rotor little boot camp or something? There was a, another kid, a guy you guys are flying. On oh, the... um, that he's uh, he's actually a pilot. His name is Neon, and no, he was helping us. That kid is not... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's an absolute monster. On really? The sim. Oh my oh, god! Wow! If you watch him with the sim, literally your jaw will be on the floor. It's just full throttle the whole way. The and whole like, way. He he's good, man. He's just a he's a badass little kid, and he's really good with his drone too. He qualified right. uh, higher than I did at really? the champs. Okay. Oh yeah, no, he's he's a great pilot. He's a new pilot to DMR, uh, DMR, and he's actually one of the younger pilots. Period out in the field. Yeah. Uh, he's a well respected kid already, and he's going to be uh, someone to watch for right. sure. Are yeah. you still so you're still flying a DMR? uh frame oh yeah yeah i, I, I know DMR you had everything. i know you had a i know you had a beast mode frame for yeah, a while there so i still do okay yeah that frame that you were looking at on instagram that's actually the beast mode v2 okay um a little bit better carbon it's got a canopy instead of a top plate okay and everything's just lighter like last year i was flying a drone uh it was like 305 or 308 grams and now I'm like down to like 247 or something in that range, 250. So, so instead of having the top plate, so that that canopy, so everything's kind of, I mean, it was always exposed on the sides unless yeah. you put some kind of like protectors on the sides. But now with that canopy, it's kind of protected do, do, a little bit. Do you does that hold up as good as a top plate though? Do you notice that more of that stuff gets damaged when you do crash? Uh, 
Yes and no, depending on the conditions. I guess if it's a little cold outside, those canopies can crack pretty easily. Yeah. But in the summertime, they hold up well. They flex pretty good. And he's he's still 3D printing those at home? Yeah. Joe makes everything. Um, actually, the carbon, though, I think he's actually getting now from uh, a pre-order thing. Okay. But he's stepped up the carbon But he, he sends the designs out, right? Because I know he's had different designs. I know there was one that he put together that, like, you could change out the length of the arm so you could go from, like, three-inch props to five-inch yeah. props and all that. He still has that, I'm pretty sure. But, okay. no, he cut some of his frames himself and some of the carbon's pre-cut. Because uh, he, like I was telling you, he's got this new, like, high-quality carbon. Man, this stuff is, like, unbelievable. Super, super strong really? stuff. Yeah. Like, my frame is actually a little bit longer than it used to be. Um, and I was a little nervous because the longer the arms, the like, more leverage mm-hmm. for them to break. Right. And it's like the thing got stronger the longer it got. But <laughs> it's because of the carbon. And and how is that? Like, how did, So, like, obviously we talked about battery and, like, the heavier batteries, um, and then the pendulum effect of putting it underneath the the frame. Yeah. How does the the arm length and position have you noticed a difference in like the like a significant difference enough to affect your performance of like how long those arms are, where they're positioned? I know there's like there was dead cat and all these different yeah. Goofy names. So um, the longer arms we noticed with the motor and the prop further away from the body, the frame, uh, the canopy, it's actually giving the air somewhere to go before. We were Joe was thinking that the air was kind of getting blocked up against the canopy and causing causing turbulence. Right. So the arms being farther apart gives it some room for the air to kind of just flow away from the canopy, which okay. is kind of nice. I I do feel like it's a little more sturdy and stable in flight. Um, and then so the positions of the motors, there's like a true X which is a, like an actual X right. or a stretched frame, which is like a stretched out X, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, there was and, a, I know, like I said, there was Dead Cat. There was like an H frame. Yeah. All kinds of different stuff. Yeah, so most, I would say 80 to 90% of people now are flying a stretch, and then the rest gotcha. of the guys are flying just a true X. And I fly true X. That's what I'm used to. That's what I like. And you see, So you see a lot of those other weird styles kind of just falling away? A little bit, yeah. A lot of people are just, they're starting to realize what works and what, what doesn't, doesn't right. you know, because we're evolving in yep. this uh, drone racing. So, yeah, it's just an X is where it's at. There used to be a K frame and the H, like you were saying, but, you know, they're just not as good. But, yeah, I, I would say most people do the stretch. It, it's nice. It's It feels really stable in flight. It To me, it kind of wants to fall in when you're banking hard. It wants to fall, like, to the ground. You kind of have to force it to stay up. But guys like that. They like that feeling of... You know, they can control it. They can right. use that to their advantage. So it it comes down to preference, but usually it's one of those two. Gotcha. Yeah, I think your your frame should be a true X. I, no, I, mine is, my frame is an H. Oh, is it? Yeah, it, oh, okay. it's, it's old. It, I, oh, yeah, that's it, right. Pitbull. You're you're flying the Pipple. That's or, or it was... Or it was a smaller version of the Pipple. There, I know that I think the Pipple was like his first one. Everyone had that for yeah, a little bit. Yeah. And then I got like the the next one that he came out with. I think it was just slightly smaller. It wasn't okay. as big. Uh, I got a whole case for it and stuff I built. But <laughs> nice. uh, yeah, so that was what I had. And and again, like I mean, I cracked like top plates. I flew into oh, some yeah. poles, uh, a bunch of different stuff. And uh, I've always I, I will check on Joe's site, and I'm like, oh man, I should probably just upgrade everything. Just you know, and then but now I mean, with everything that you've told me and all the changes. I feel man, like I'm, be blown I'm away. so far behind now, too. You should just call Joe and be like, hey, man. I, <laughs> I need want, a whole new. Yeah, give me the fly. newest of everything. He's got it all ESC, <laughs> flight controller, motors, whatever you need. But I think you'll really see 
just how much we've come just by flying a new drone. You're and and, like, and how's how's how has that been seeing that that evolve? Because I mean, like, has is Joe still everything's out of his house or has um, he? Yeah, he still does everything from his garage. Um, it's getting a little hard to compete for him. You know, some of these websites are. They're selling stuff just so cheap. Right. It's hard for him to really make money. I've seen some money. websites closed down. I think like Multi Rotor Mania. That one, yeah, so closed down. Pyro uh, Pyro Flip uh, is kind of you know cornering the market a really? little bit. Okay. They they just have really good prices. I even buy some stuff from okay. there. I try not to. I try to buy from Joe when I right. can. But man, they just they they just have really really low and good prices. So it's it's hard to beat. Right. And get FPV too. There's just yep, uh, get FPV. Been yeah, there. but so good pricing or not. Uh, I'm with a couple of guys. We just try to support Joe. Right. Try to support the local guys. Oh yeah, for sure. So even if it's cheaper online, I still try to buy from Joe. Just try to help out the chapter right. or um, the company or whatever. Right. Because no. Joe's always been there for all of us. You know, right. if you need something or whatever, and you want to make a change to a frame or whatever, he's there to help out. So really, so you, I mean, is that how like the the original beast mode frame was that like a a preference? Like, hey, can we change this? Yeah. Yeah, so Joe kind of has a starting point. We're like, hey, this is our new frame. You know, I wanted to make this your signature frame. And I'm like, hey, can we switch this? Or we can, after flying it, there's certain right. things that I, I noticed that I like that maybe other people would like too. So he's like, all right, we'll try it. And, you know, uh, pilots, they all tend to kind of like the same stuff. So it was pretty easy changes for Joe because everyone else seemed to like the same changes, you know. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's people that like their own. They have their own preference, but I feel like it comes down to pretty much the same, like right in the general area. People like the X or stretch or whatever. So, do you see a, a decline in the like the pre-made ones? Like the Vortex was a big one for a long time. Uh, do you, you see like those those kind of ready to flies? Do you see a lot less of those now, and, and more of people just buying all the components and building everything? Yeah. So. Uh, it's hard for me to say for sure. The guys that I surround myself with when it comes to flying is usually guys that have been around for a little bit. So it's hard to say if people are buying the ready to fly. I'm assuming they are, though, because there's a bunch of kids out there, parents that these kids want drones. Like, hey, I watched this drone right. or whatever. And they don't want to buy a drone that they have to build. You know, They're just going to go right. online and buy one that's pre-built. Or one that they don't understand as much. Right. So I feel like I'm sure the, the ready to fly is still a big thing. I'm sure they are. I've I've definitely looked into those for like the little ones, yeah, you know, like the little, uh, God, what the hell is it called? The tiny whoop, yeah, or like the induction ones, you know, yeah, the, yeah, the tiny those, whoop, yeah, like those. I've I've looked into buying one. I yeah, well, them. those ones are a different story. You want to buy those ones complete because they're pretty simple to begin with. What? Uh, yeah, those tiny whoops are evolving too. What kind time. of controller do you use? I use a Spectrum DX6. It's actually okay. the same remote I've had from the beginning. Gotcha. I've never switched. Gotcha. Yeah. I had the, the Tyrannus. And okay. So, like, one of the issues with uh, one of the companies that makes, like, one of the most popular little tiny ones is I would have to get an adapter because that runs off, like, the the, the internal uh, transmitter is already, uh, like, the spectrum uh, for the controller. So I have to get an, an orange adapter thing okay. for my Tyrannus to be able to do it. And really? Find it. Yeah, it's a whole... Wait, you'd have to get an adapter to run your receiver? Yeah, to, to run my actual controller, yeah. Oh, wow. that, I have to get an adapter that plugs into the back of my controller, so I just oh, yeah, haven't yeah. done any of that. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to do that with Spectrum. Actually, a lot of guys... Have you heard of Crossfire? No. So most guys are flying Crossfire, okay. and what it is is like uh it's a faster receiver 
So it's like supposed to be much faster than what we're used to. And it's like a long range setup. So you can literally get like five miles out of these receivers. It's really? like unbelievable. So yeah, you get best the best of both worlds. So you get long range and then you just get faster reaction. I haven't switched yet personally, but tons of people are running really? them. Yeah. And what about the video? How far is the, the video going now? Like, is there been some significant advances in the, the antenna technology, stuff like that? I mean, cause there was always different designs. I know team black sheep was real big when I was last racing. Uh, which... I wouldn't say the quality, the qu- I guess. Yeah. The quality is better. It's more or less the durability. And I feel like antennas was one thing I was going through a ton. Oh yeah. Yeah. But now they're making these really, really strong UFL antennas. Uh, they're just bulletproof. You could step on this thing and it'd be fine. See, that's what kills me. I, like I've got so many different antennas that, like, yep, broke, broke, right, or right. you know, tried, I tried to fix one and and then the. So I know before, like, if your antenna broke, there was a chance that you could burn out your your uh, trans, yeah, your, 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 trans, yeah yep. your video transmitter. And I noticed, uh, I think the one that I got, or there was other ones that I saw that have like a prevent that from happening. Um, it won't burn out even if you don't have an antenna connected for like up to 10 minutes or some nonsense. Yeah. So nowadays these, uh, these video transmitters, you can actually, they've been videos of them, uh, leaving them plugged in for a half hour with no antennas on them. And they're completely fine. Really? Black sheep has some, uh, some pretty badass receivers. I actually use a, a nano micro. It's just a tiny, or uh, sorry, a nano unify. Okay. It's literally this big. Like just that, a little like, thing, huh? It's tiny. It weighs like, I don't know, four grams or and something no like that. no problem with video. No. no the video is amazing. It, it, it'll go line of sight for, I don't know, miles. Really? For sure. See, I have problems with the park that I would fly in, and I think it was because I, I probably broke an antenna and didn't realize. Like, in the time it took me to go get it, I yeah. probably burned out the trans. Well, the, plus the, you want to have a good uh, receiving antenna on your, um, or on, yeah, antenna on your, on your goggles. You want a, usually a nice patch. And then, um, do you still run like the dual thing? Like you, I think you used to have like a square, right? And then something else. Yeah. A square. And then I, um, what the hell is the other one called? Um, Omni antenna. Okay. So an Omni and then a patch antenna. Usually the patch is kind of for penetrating and, um, the Omni is for like 360 degrees. So if you fly behind yourself or whatever, it'll still pick yourself up. But the patch is more directional, but so if you're smart about where you're flying, if you're flying uh, like on a track, you kind of want to position your your patch towards the whole track. It kind of uh, veers out a little. Right. So you got to be smart about where you're flying uh, or where you're um, standing. Yeah, standing. You don't want your patch facing the opposite direction opposite, of where yeah. you're flying. You know. So, but either way, your antenna, your omni antenna, will pick up what your patch doesn't. It may not be the best video, but it'll still pick you up pretty good. Okay. Yeah. So what do you uh, what do you see? in the future for you with this is it is it something that you're going to keep keep competing uh, Are you, yeah. i know it sounds like you're finding yourself uh getting out competed by the younger generation yeah. so i i still love flying that's the whole reason i started this because i just enjoy i enjoy racing i enjoy flying the guys the community is just awesome the right people, oh yeah it's been so welcoming yeah so i mean and i've built I've, I've got so many new friends from flying so i don't think i could ever just walk away from flying I may not compete at such a high level like I am now, which is like practicing every other day and right, stuff like that. Right. Um, so I think that's what's going to happen. I think 2019, I'm going to try to go really hard and see what I can do as one of the old guys still in the sport. <laughs> and how old are you? Um, 34. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> old I'm guy, a, right? Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna push real hard doing the simulator when I can't go out and fly and, right. and stuff like that. So this year I'm gonna go hard and then 
I think in 2020, I'll probably just do local events. Okay. I, I may not travel and race. You know, I might just hang out with the guys uh, at the local Detroit racing and then, you know, just do that for a while and see where it goes. All right. Yeah. What uh, what simulator uh, simulator would you recommend? Uh, I'm using the Velocidrone. I don't know about any other one because I haven't used any of the other ones. I've messed around with the DRL one uh, a little bit on my buddy's laptop. And it was okay. It didn't feel as good as the Velocidrone. Okay. But I feel like the Velocidrone, you can kind of tweak things a little better okay. to your liking. So that's kind of nice. So I would suggest Velocidrone. And what do you have? Any advice for someone that's looking to get into this? Yeah. So I would start off with um, the simulator for like a week or two weeks, whatever it takes to make you feel comfortable. And then go to either a ready to fly or something simple, you know, nothing too complicated. Uh, like a three or four S setup, and just kind of get used to the how it goes. You say three or four S setup, and I'm just like my four S setup is like light years above yeah. my three S was. Well, you don't because... want to jump straight into success, but no, I would not at all. <laughs> but if you start off with the sim, it'll probably save you a lot of money. Gotcha. Because then you can kind of understand how it works, the mechanics of it. Yeah. Because it is it is weird because. You know, the degrees of movement, you have your throttle, which basically controls, you know, your forward, backwards, up, down sort yeah. of thing. But then you can rotate and then you can also bank and then your pitch forward. Like, it, it is kind of crazy when you think about it. Like, yeah, because you have to use them um, all together right. to make it work right. And it's more than you would think. Okay, just by watching it, it doesn't seem that difficult. Oh, it's but a once, lot more. Yeah, but once you have the controller in your hand and you actually have to physically get that thing to fly, you, you notice, like, all right, there's a lot more involved here than right. I thought. Well, like, just the fact of turning, I mean, at a decent speed isn't just, oh, let me rotate it. Right. Because that's just going to change the, the yeah, angle that it's to, moving. You have to also bank it, too. You have to and roll yaw into it. Yeah. yeah. You have to roll yaw, yaw. plus pitch, yep. plus adjust your throttle, yeah. all at the same time, just to do a, a simple turn right and that's the yeah. part that i struggle with going at slow speeds when i'm going fast i can do the turn right and like i'll set up one of those gates and i'll fly through turn around and just keep going back and forth yeah uh but yeah it's totally uh it's a different different animal yeah than so think. and then so what i would do is i would practice a sim for a couple of days go to joe over at dmr <laughs> buy a frame a ready to fly uh quad he'll build one for you and practice line of sight so just fly Pitching forward, pitching back, forward and back, forward and back. And then a couple of batteries later, go roll left to right, left to right. This is all line of sight, though. And then after left to right, forward and back for a while, try to do circles. Circles is going to be a whole lot harder, but just practice this stuff. And then, you know, after a few days of doing line of sight, throw on the goggles, and you'll actually be surprised at how easy you'll be able to pick it up after knowing how the drum flies. Right. You have to – a lot of guys – that fly now jumped straight to goggles skip the whole line and, of and that's kind of how i went too yeah i uh a lot of you know i play a decent amount of video games and racing whenever i do racing games i always fly that perspective anyway sure so like that felt more natural to me uh the other thing i would say if you're going to do line of sight is just practice throttle control because yeah. i know people that have like <laughs> yeah, just shot straight, it straight up, up in, in there yeah <laughs> Yeah, so even do it now, guys that are really badass pilots now are still resorting back to wanting to practice line of sight to help their game now. Right. So I think it's something to get definitely a good starting point. Cool, cool. Yeah, man. I, I appreciate it. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just crazy to see. It's It's been pretty cool to see uh, 
something that just felt like a niche little community and it's getting bigger and bigger. Uh, where do you, where do you see the whole thing itself going? Do you see DRL blowing up and being bigger? Do you see it being similar to other racing? You know, is it going to be another NASCAR or, or something like that? What do you think? Uh, I hope so. Um, I haven't heard the ratings. I, I have heard they haven't been the best. So, uh, DRL already has a, a set contract with Allianz for I think a couple more years, whether they do good or bad. So I just I'm hearing that it's not doing the greatest, but could be worse. So I'm just hoping that it's going in the right direction. I want it to be a mainstream thing. You know, I want it to be right. up there with basketball and NASCAR racing or whatever. That you know, that would be amazing, especially since I was in the group of guys that kind of started it all. You know in the beginning so it would be awesome to see it take off and i'm sure it will one day will it soon i don't know you know but it's definitely a matter of time um i just think we need to get drl it's awesome to watch if you're a pilot but i feel like it can get a little boring for someone that's not a race pilot right you know what i'm saying so i don't but, know and i guess that kind of goes for like uh you know similar like nascar to nascar like, like that, yeah. i'm not a nascar fan so to me it's not the most entertaining exactly. thing in the world so i think they still have to kind of work out the logistics a little bit and i i feel like they'll figure it out eventually gotcha yeah do you think like so that was one of the things i really liked about the maker fair and that regional qualifier race there is that that is uh that's out in the public is there do you is there enough events you think going on that are that are out in the public to uh, kind of bring the awareness and get it out there so people see it more? Yeah. The, I mean, I feel like they're more or less trying to put races out there for the pilots more than the public. Right. I don't know. I feel like um, it's hard to get people's attention when it comes to drone racing. It, you know, even if you uh, advertise it or whatever. People, I don't know. Some people, it's a niche thing, you know? It's not like something that everyone wants to, to view yet. But I feel like... Kids love it. So if you can get, if their kids can, you know, force their parents to get them there, I feel like it could be, you know, something pretty, pretty sweet. But I don't know. It, it's tough, man. It's tough. It's getting better, though. It's getting better. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Cool. I look forward to seeing it change. I like look forward to seeing it grow. Uh, I, again, just like you believe in supporting the local people. Right. You know, uh, going to Joe, getting stuff. Uh, I appreciate your time, Terry. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, coming out, we're, we're at the hour mark already. So if we would have not had technical difficulties, we'd probably been closer <laughs> to like an hour and a half. Um, is there anything that you, you want to plug, shout out, uh, um, before we take off? Yeah, I want to thank my sponsors, Joe over at Detroit Multi-Rotor, uh, Miguel at Tattoo Batteries, uh, Acon Electronics for looking out for me, and, you know, all the other pilots and guys that are trying to make this a big deal. You know, I thank everyone for putting in the effort, you as well. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. I, again, I joined as a fan, um, and with starting this, wanted to, you know, you were one of the people that I've, uh, that I've been able to meet that's made it to what some would consider the pros, right? right. I mean, yeah. DRL at this point feels like the the major leagues or the, it is the, for the drone pros, racing, right, yeah. for drone racing. Mm -hmm. So knowing someone that's local that's been able to, to get to that level uh, is, is uh, that's quite, it has to be a, quite an accomplishment. And, yeah, it is. And, it's an experience I'll never forget, you know, good or bad. 
it, you still made it there. Right. So, you know, at the end of the day, you, you're winning just from being there. Just if, for being If anyone to be wants there. to check out your, your races or your videos or anything, where can they find you? Um, it's Terry R. Scott or Beast Mode FPV on Instagram. And the same for YouTube, uh, Terry R. Scott or Beast Mode FPV on YouTube. You might have to do a little digging on YouTube right. to and find the, me. And that's but I'm there. R. Scott is, is A-R. A-R-S-C-O-T-T. Yeah. Gotcha. I was thinking it was like the middle initial yeah, at first. I saw that. Awesome. Well, again, thanks very much, Terry, for joining. I uh, really appreciate it. Uh, look forward to actually getting out there and racing this year and seeing you out on the field. Um, it's It's been a pleasure getting to know all you guys and, and hanging out and stuff. And yeah, for sure. Again, thank, thank you very you, much. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, everyone. Thank you for uh, listening to The Get Up. And don't forget to follow Instagram, Twitter, The Get Up Show, www.thegetupshow.com, on Facebook at The Get Up Show Podcast. Man, there's so many different names i got to remember <laughs> because I couldn't get all of them to be the same. Right. Uh, listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, uh, anywhere you listen to a podcast. Thanks again for listening to The Get Up. Like what you heard? Think it sucked? Or are you trying to do something other than just the normal 9 to 5 and you want to share your story? Then hit me up. Send an email to contact at thegetupshow.com Follow the show on Instagram and on Twitter at The Get Up Show. And don't forget to visit www.thegetupshow.com and check out the links for our guests.